Dustin and I have been informed that we start the service the same way every time. You always say, good morning, everybody. And so I've decided I'm going to change it up just a little bit today. hi ho everybody. So a junior church, you are dismissed to walk. Um, while they're going, I would just want to show everybody, there is these little cards on the back. These are invitations to our Christmas Eve service. I really enjoy Christmas Eve service. It's going to be less than an hour usually. Um, we never go over an hour. It's just a time to stop, to reflect on the real reason for Christmas. We're going to have special songs. Um, this year we're doing something a little different again. Uh, so it's never tradition of how we do it. It's just tradition we do it. Uh, But we'd like you to be able to take these and hand these out and just invite people to Christmas Eve service. It's got the times on it, and it's even got the address on the back. But look for this one in the back that would just invite people to come, not just Christmas Eve, but to all services. There is nothing, no other holiday like Christmas, is there? Uh, So many people have so many expectations for the celebration of Christmas. We seem to look forward to Christmas uh, longer with greater anticipation than any other. I never hear people saying, I just can't wait for President's Day. We're looking forward to Christmas. A friend of ours that we know from another church, she has been counting down the days from till Christmas since February. She is that excited about it. And I'm not kidding, on Facebook, she's had countdowns. Every week, she goes this many days till Christmas. She is excited for Christmas. She has this anticipation for Christmas, setting up her tree. She's been looking forward to that since she had to take it down last year. And she has this great anticipation for the decoration. She longs to give her kids, mostly her grandkids, these gifts that she can shower on them. She is excited for Christmas. And many people are excited for Christmas Some are not, though, however. Henry McCushy of Texas Employment Commission has said they are getting a, it's a hard time getting men to be department store Santa Clauses. Uh, The reason is the high percentage of children who are kicking Santa in the shin for not delivering the goods the previous year. How many of you want to sign up for that? We have one right here, I think. Um, Bill Adler, in his book, Letters to Santa Claus, revealed the hostility that some children can develop because of their excessive expectations of Christmas. One little boy wrote this, Dear Santa Claus, last year you didn't leave me anything good. The year before you didn't leave me anything good. This year is your last chance. That little boy wants his gifts. He's got some anticipation and some expectations. Now, we've all heard this phrase, it is better to give than to receive. Okay? We've heard this for years. It's better to give than to receive. Where does this idea come from? I heard it from my mom. I heard it from other Sunday school teachers. I've heard this all throughout church. But did you know it does come from Scripture? Acts chapter 20, verse 35, Paul says, I have been a constant example of of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of our Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul says, I've been an example on how you are to be giving towards others. But more than that, remember what Jesus himself has said. 
Now, let's just be honest for a moment. We look forward to gifts. You can deny it. You can try to act all pious, but we all like gifts. Um, I've seen grown, mature people get giddy over a gift just like a little kid. They're excited that somebody has put that much attention and love and devotion to them. Even though the trinket may not be worth much, the love behind it did it was, and, and they like that. The older I have gotten, the more I do find joy in watching my family members open their gifts, more than I enjoy opening the gifts for me. Now, I, I still like gifts. I really want, love watching other people do that. I wonder how many of us actually love watching our family our loved ones open up those gifts and then how many of our kids would agree or would they say it's fine you can open yours but give me the next one you know we kind of grow into that sense where we're focused on what we can get and yet it is more blessed to give than to receive We've heard this phrase many times. These words were spoken by Jesus. We're supposed to be following Jesus. We're supposed to be emulating him. And so I have two questions. If it's more blessed to give than to receive, do you believe this? Do you really believe it's better to give than to receive? And, and when it comes to not just Christmas, but every day, every other, every day, all year long, are you a giver or a taker? When it comes to things around you, are you one that likes to get your worth or get your due? You need to get, or are you one that gives? Each year, thousands of churches go through this Christmas event looking at the characters of Christmas. You can see we've got decorations up. We've, we're excited for it. People start hearing about the characters of Christmas, the, the meaning of Christmas, the purpose, the traditions, the song, or whatever other gimmick they're trying to use to get everybody into that. While every minister, I believe, strives to make sure that Christ is the center of Christmas, so many times the focus of Christmas is us. What do we get from Christmas? How does Christmas impact us? Why do we have Christmas? This year, our Christmas is going to be totally different. Our Christmas series, instead of us, we're going to be looking at someone else, not others, but God himself. Because we need to emulate God more and more into our lives, and that includes Christmas. So this year we're going to be looking at becoming gift givers primarily to God. Yes, we know that Jesus is the ultimate gift to us, but how many times at Christmas do we ever think about what are we giving God? In Matthew chapter 2, we're going to park there today. Um, starting in verse 1, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men came to, from eastern lands and arrived in Jerusalem, asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it arose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come out of you, who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time that the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem, search carefully for the child. 
when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. We have all heard, if you've been in church any time, you have heard this story many, many, many times. And so this year, as we go through these events, we're going to try and hear them a little different. And so to make sure, let's stop and let's go to God. God, we come before you. Lord, as we look into your word to see this Christmas event, would you speak to us in a new way? Would you show us how we can live more like you and become a gift giver to honor you, to give you the glory and the praise that you so richly deserve? Thank you, God. When you come in here right now, God, speak to us. Fill this place with your spirit so that we can know you, we can hear you. And in your name we pray. Amen. So in this event, Herod meets these dignitaries from the east, the wise men, the the magi. And Herod is faced with a decision. Each year at Christmas, we are all faced with decisions. We can choose to be a Scrooge. Or we can choose to be jolly and um, happy. We can choose to sit and watch while everybody else puts up the decorations. Or we can choose to partake in that. There's one small group who knows who I'm talking to. Um, I'm just teasing you guys. We can choose to never work or never celebrate Christmas till after Thanksgiving. Or we can choose to, you know what, I'm thankful for Christ. And I'll celebrate him all year long, not just. And I'm saying that to my boys right now. (laughs) We have decisions. Herod had a decision on this Christmas event also. He had the choice to choose to either be a gift giver or a gift taker. Herod had an expectation. We all have expectations of Christmas. Well, he had one. His expectation at that time was, I am in control. He was in charge. He was the command of his life. He was in command of all the area around him. Did you know excessive expectations is the quickest way to the land of doubt, despair, and depression? Excessive expectations. If you expect God, your parents, your children, or anybody to cater to your every whim, you are setting up your life, yourself, for failing. If all you expect Christmas is to meet your every need, you're going to fall again. There's no promise in the Bible that Christmas is the way, the truth, and the life. Christmas isn't that. Um, And that by trusting in Christmas, you can have an abundant life. That's, That's not what it says. Christmas time, hear me on this, can be a form of idolatry. If you expect Christmas to do for you what only Christ can do, then you are worshiping the wrong thing. Nobody's birthday, not even Christ, can meet your needs. And if it's a major emotional mistake, to always expect that. A large um, portion of depression associated with Christmas is due, clinically they've said this, they've done studies, due to people's expectations. When it comes to Christmas time, we expect the milk to quit spilling. That everything's going to be nice and tidy. That our family's finally going to get along. They're not. Kids aren't just going to magically start behaving because there's lights up in a tree. They 
families are not going to just get together because there's Christmas cards in the mail. Why would we expect people who haven't spoken to each other in over a year to be friendly? Why would we expect the whole world to stop the folly of war, murder, robbery, and every other form of evil just to stop and see the newborn king? It is depressing if you expect Christmas to make your world a paradise. The first Christmas event didn't. The first Christmas event was actually scary. It was disastrous for many people. It was heartbreaking. It is also unrealistic unrealistic from the point of view of psychiatry. One psychiatrist wrote, any celebration that sets up such unrealistic Sorry. Just as a little footnote, there's a thing called the Blake tongue in my family. It comes from my mom. It means we speak and our tongue goes the opposite way. So that's why I looked at her. This is my mom right over here. And she's laughing because I was fumbling my words. And she's like, ha, 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 you deserve it. (laughs) So anyway, any celebration that sets up unrealistic magical expectations is very unfair to human beings. People are pushed to deny the reality of their lives during Christmas, their financial situation, their true relationships. There's almost, at Christmas time, a delusional mood. In other words, people try to live up to the realm of the myth. i got to buy these gifts. Okay, let's take out more credit. Let's take out a loan to buy these gifts. They pretend to be more loving than they are, but it doesn't last for long. Tom Ulin said, seldom does reality measure up to the artificial and sentimental visions of Christmas, which Hollywood, Hallmark cards, and the Chamber of Commerce, and our bad memories create for us. He also said that if you dream of a white Christmas and it doesn't snow, then you're upset, because now the weather's against us. If we go out to get the major scene with the illusion that's ready to be set up, and you find the shepherd is missing and the camel's only three-legged now, Suddenly, there's no longer a manger scene, but a mangy scene. The family sits down to read the Christmas story with this idyllic dream that the children are going to listen with awe, as if they'd never heard it before, but one child is sure to say, yeah, okay, can we open up gifts now? The point of all this seeming pessimism is not to convince us that Scrooge was right, but to help us keep our Christmas expectations from being excessive. It's not only at Christmas, but all of life can be damaged by excessive expectations. Dr. Howard Hendricks of Dallas Theological Seminary, um, one of the great marriage counselors of the time, says the greatest reason for failure in marriage is unrealistic expectations. And then he adds later on that they're unspoken. You have unspoken expectations that the other person didn't meet. And then they're unrealistic People expect too much of each other and assume that they could, if they would, make anything I need at Christmas time happen. Nobody wants to put up with the reality of monotony, boredom, and routine. And that's what they think when it comes to that. So we've got to have higher expectations. I run away in Chicago said, I've done everything. I've had all the thrills. I don't want to go on living. There's nothing more to anticipate. A runaway who was in his early 20s. I've experienced everything in life. Nothing is left to live. His expectations were so high that he thought life wasn't worth living anymore. Give me a thrill a minute or Christmas is a bore. Life isn't worth living. 
kind of depressing for a holiday season, isn't it? And yet Christmas has high expectations, and so many times Christians choose to be the gift takers. We take those expectations. We take them on and, and hold them up above others. Instead, we need to do the opposite of what King Herod did. He had high expectations of Christmas. So what did he do? He tried to make sure that he was the center of that Christmas event. Herod tried to get prestige and power. And so if we're going to be the opposite, to be a gift giver this Christmas, give God the gift of recognition. We need to stop at Christmas time and recognize who is this whole season about. For us as Americans, when we use the, rec the word recognize, we generally use it in the sense of identification. I was driving to Costco and this car quickly passed me and I realized I recognized that driver. It means you can identify them. It was Croc. I said drove really fast, right? I'm kidding, Croc. We see recognize as a sense of identity. Okay? While Herod did not go and worship Jesus, look what he did tell the wise men. Look what he did do. Um, verses 3 and 4. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as well as everyone else in Jerusalem. He called a, leading, a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? Herod heard this vision, this um, message from the visitors. He recognized this as fulfillment of prophecy. Herod recognized this child is the Messiah. To be a gift giver to God, we need to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. We need to give him that true recognition. Now, Messiah is a good churchy word. It means promised deliverer, one who is sent to save his people. And we need to recognize that Jesus is the Savior, the deliverer. We need to recognize this, but... The gift of recognition includes confession of who Jesus is to you. Not what your church says, not what your preacher says, what you say. Identification is only one quarter, one part of a full recognition. Here's this, this scripture. When verse 10 tells us that the world did not recognize Jesus. It says that the world did not recognize him. Our scripture is speaking much more than proper identification. Uh, being able to identify who Jesus is is only part of the picture. We have to also confess who he is to us. Jesus went up to Peter and said, who do people say that I am? Well, they say John the Baptist, Elijah. And, they say, and then Jesus hit the real question, but who do you say? Really, Peter, confess who I am. Not just identify, recognize, but also confess. If I say I know who Jesus is, Jesus is the Son of God, I am only expressing identification. It does not express any kind of belief. Identity is a start, but if we're going to be able to follow Jesus Christ, if we're really going to be gift givers at Christmas, we have to identify who he is to us personally. I can correctly identify who Jesus is, but still have no faith. That's just the truth of it. I can correctly identify who Jesus is and have no understanding of the facts. 
I can correctly identify who Jesus is and fool myself and others into thinking I have faith when really I only have cognitive ability to evaluate the facts before me. Jesus is the Messiah. Even demons say that. They identify that. But they don't confess that he is their Lord. That he is their Savior. To truly recognize Jesus, we need to do more than just identify. We need to be better than the demons. Because giving God the gift of recognition is more than just that. Look what it says, Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Where it says confess, some translations use the word declare. How many of you have heard that you must confess that Jesus is Lord? How many of you have heard that? Okay, everybody should raise their hand in a minute. To be a Christian, you need to confess that Jesus is Lord. How many of you heard that now? There we go. We're all on the same page. Good. Okay. Confessing Jesus as Lord is not confessing, I made a mistake or I did something wrong. When the Bible says we must confess, it has a lot to do with recognition and giving proper authority. King Herod did the identity part. Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? But the gift of recognition also includes devotion. And that's part of that confess. I confess this, and that leads me into devotion. When we confess that Jesus is Lord, we are saying our, Lord, our lives are devoted to him. That Jesus is our leader, our commander, our boss. Devotion is part of recognition. And you'll only be devoted to somebody that you believe in, that you love, and you have a relationship with. Why is it that in all the movies they just want the guy to come and give their undying devotion to the girl? Because the girl wants to realize and hear and recognize that this guy is truly, totally in love, more than a feeling, but a fact that he's devoting, confessing that his love is for her. Where do we get that? It's in Scripture. That's an emulation of how we are to be towards God. We recognize, confess, and devote. If you are not devoted to Jesus, hear me on this, especially right now at Christmas as we're coming up to this season. If you are not devoted to Jesus, it is because you do not realize, recognize who Jesus is to you. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen: People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess, notice the linking word, and turn from them, they will receive mercy. What does it mean to turn away from sins? What's the word we use? Repent. Great churchy word, right? The gift of recognition also includes repenting. Repent means to turn away from. To uh, understand something as a sin that violates God's design and then turn away. Repent and turn away from doing that sin. Jesus said it in Luke 5.35. I have come to call those who, uh, not those who think they are righteous, but those who are sinners and need to repent. God wants us to repent, to turn away from the evils, the wrong paths. And when we repent... We are recognizing, giving gift, the gift of recognition to God that he is right, and I was wrong. 
One of my friends on Facebook um, last week put, um, he put the date, it was on Tuesday. At, on this date, at 7, I think 27, my wife said I was right. It needs to be documented. It's never happened before. It probably will never happen again. Don't we like to be right? We only repent when we realize we're wrong. We can only realize we're wrong when we recognize and confess and have devotion to who Jesus is. God wants us to repent. Look what it says, Luke 15, 10. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. There is a party in heaven when a sinner recognizes Jesus, gives him the gift of recognition, and repents. It is a gift of God when we give our life to him, when we recognize him, when we confess who he is, when we give a life of devotion to him, when we repent of sins and focus on him, that is a gift. It brings him glory and honor. It makes our life a praise offering to God. Herod knew that this child born was the Messiah. He recognized that, but he wouldn't give him the rest of the gifts. Herod refused to confess and he refused to repent. Look what it says in verse 16. Herod was furious when he realized the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men report of the star's first appearance. Right here, King Herod had a choice. He could have changed the trajectory of his life. If he would have confessed who this child is, and then repented. Instead, he chose to cause even more heartache by choosing another sin of murder. There's a bit more to Herod's story, though. We do learn a little bit more about him in Matthew chapter 2, verse 19. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. What did we learn about Herod? He died. Did it stop God's will? Did it stop God being the Messiah? No. And because he chose not to recognize and confess and give devotion and repent, Herod was pulled out of the life of being a gift giver to God. He left this world and had to accept the eternity without God. He chose to reject God, and therefore, Herod chose to go to hell. Those are your options. You either choose to accept Jesus and the gift of heaven, or you choose to go to hell. God doesn't force anyone to go to hell. He allows us the choice of that. That was Herod's choice. So this Christmas, what is your choice? What is your choice? Will you choose to be a gift giver to God? Will you choose to confess and repent to truly recognize that Jesus is Lord, to give your life to him. Look at this verse, 1 John 2.23. No one who denies, that's that recognition, the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledged the Son has the Father also. If you want to know God, you have to accept Jesus. That's what it says. The ESV, no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses, acknowledge, confesses the Son has the Father also. This Christmas, we're going to look at each time, each Sunday, we're going to look at how we can be gift givers to the Creator, to the One who gave us everything, who not just created the world, but gave us 
his one and only son, so that we don't have to die and perish, go to hell. But we can have the gift of eternal life. What better reason to give him a gift? The choice is yours. Not just here. It's what will you choose. Will you choose this week? Will you choose today to give God the gift of recognition? It, it's not much. Do you know why I wear a wedding ring? To let all you ladies know I'm taken. This is a recognition that I am devoted, that I have confessed my love, my earthly physical love, to my wife. This is a declaration. This is a confession. This is a uh, repentance of anything else. It's all going to be over here. It's a gift of recognition. How much more should we have a gift of recognition in our life, in our words, in our actions, our attitudes, that we are devoted to the one who created, to the one who died for us. Christmas isn't about the decorations and the tree. It's about God coming and saying, you're worth my life. And shouldn't we be willing to give him a gift this season of recognizing who Jesus truly is? We're going to go into a time of singing. And this time, when we sing this song, I want you to hear the words. And when you sing them, give them as a gift to who Jesus truly is. Let's stand. Let's sing. Thank you. 